Hi, I'm Ethan. I love muzzleloading. Today, we're talking with Paul from the Orion Foundation Instagram page. Paul has been a true inspiration, I think, for me and and several of the other young muzzleloading enthusiasts out there, kind of in the contemporary era, being online and seeing people out there doing neat stuff. And what Paul is doing, I think, is really unique and really special for the muzzleloading community. I think he serves a, a great service to the community at large, bringing people in and showing them them that you don't have to focus in on one aspect of muzzleloading to enjoy it. Paul's going to talk a lot about how he works at getting his kids interested and getting their friends interested. And I think he's a true steward of muzzleloading as we consider, you know, just the aging demographics of muzzleloading and how things are changing over the next 10, 15, 20 years. And I think what Paul has to say is really important. And I think what he's doing is something that we should all take to heart and, you know, try to learn from so that we can all pass the torch of muzzleloading on to the next generation. So are those, are those camps that you put on, are they pretty formal or are they pretty casual? You know, you just kind of put some signs out and like neighborhood kids come in and, and camp with you. Well, I mean, it, it, it depends, right? So we have, and this is, this is one of the things I was going to, I was going to talk a little bit more about. So I, I have my like, I call it like my invite list uh-huh. where if I'm going to do something, I let, you know, certain people know, Hey, this weekend we got to, you know, we got to camp or whatever. And I'll, and most of the stuff I do is pretty kid friendly, I would say. Um, and the, and the reason for that is twofold is one, you know, I, I have a, my daughter is 13 and I have three sons, 11, uh, 11, eight, and I'm sorry, 11, nine and seven. It's we're in birthday seasons. So I can't remember exactly what their ages are. Cause <laughs> it's, it's changing. It's changing by the week. Um, but, but one thing is like, I don't, um, I want my kids to have the interest that I have. I want them to not be excluded from it. Cause I've seen people who, you know, uncles who hunting was just their thing and they didn't bring their son with them. And then that son grew up and never, never did hunting or never was into it. Yeah. And, and, um, I had, you know, I had a friend early on, give me the advice of like, Hey, if you can get your kids interested in your hobbies, then you can get your hobbies back because your kids will want to do them with you. Okay. And so, and so what I do is, um, you know, a lot of the camps I'll have, uh, you know, let my kids come out or whatever. Um, if it's, if it's more of like what I would call like a bushcraft camp or just like a, you know, I I don't even know what the word bushcraft means. I, um, you know, when, when I was, I guess in my twenties, we would just call it uh, skills camps where mm-hmm. you would just go and you would like work on skills. You know, you'd like, you know, make something or make a shelter or whatever it was. And it wasn't until I read a few different books that I realized that was um, there was a name for that. You know what people would call that? Because I just called it like hanging out in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Good and, um, right. Yeah. Just yeah. Just doing stuff in the woods, you know, and I, and I had I had a group of friends that I would do that stuff with. And then, um, you know, so those so those events. I just basically whoever whoever can make it out, you know, I have my set of my set of guys I'm friends with and invite them out. And then they a lot of them have kids. So, hey, bring your kid and my kid will be more excited or, you know, some of my, we, we live out on uh, 30 acres. So, you know, mm-hmm. we do a lot of stuff out here. And um, if the kids do it, that's great. You know, one of the things my, my wife's rule is like, if you're going to have a camp, leave it at camp, you know, because a lot of times they'll like wander back to the house or whatever and uh, you know, the dogs will the dogs will start barking and stuff. So we try to, so our, our camp is on the far side of our property. So it's not real convenient to walk back to the house. Yeah. Um, 
But if we're doing like an AMM event, like an American Mountain Man event, we we keep I keep that button down. You know, like I have um, people who who are interested, and and I don't you know I don't subscribe to the admonishment that that anybody's going to be 100% buttoned down the first time they come out to something. Like I want them to be excited about it, and and you know the way I see things like that is it's a journey to learn more about it and and figure out like do they want to do that or not do that. Um, so I have a, an AMM camp I'm hosting in July at also at the same river place I'm going to go to this weekend, but that's all, uh, like AMM guys and prospects. So we'll be period correct. And, you know, camping period style and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, but the camp this weekend's with my, my, uh, my kids and their buddies. So, you know, whatever sleeping bag they have is good. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever they want to bring is good. We're going to work on, uh, riflery. And so we'll, we'll bring, we'll set up like a BB gun shoot where they can, we can kind of teach them the fundamentals and then we'll do, you know, a black powder shoot where I have a, I have a rifle. You probably seen it on my Instagram where it's uh somebody took a CVA Bobcat and cut it down to like a, you know, 14 inch barrel and a nine inch length of pull. Yeah. And every one of my kids has learned on that gun. Oh, that's um, great. It's cause it's like, it's their size. And, you know, I've had all my, uh, you know, cousins and nephews and nieces come out and, you know, we show them, you know, we show them what to do. And of course, lo- load everything down for them so that it's, you know, like a half charge or a quarter charge or the way my dad describes it is just enough powder to roll the ball out of the barrel <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so they can have that experience and have it be a positive experience. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how we do it. And, you know, I, I have, I have friends I've met through Instagram who, you know, my, my wife jokes, those are my, uh, my friends I met on the internet, Yeah, you know, yeah. Who, who, you know, we've met in real life and, you know, realize somebody's in the same area as you and, you know, invite them out and have them come camp with us. And that's been great. It's worked. Everything's worked out pretty good. Man, that's fantastic. So, yeah, man. It's kind, of, it's, it's kind of a bummer in a way because you meet somebody that you're like, oh, man, it'd be great to hang out. Like there's this guy, uh, Mountain Folk Mike. I don't know if you know him on or you've seen him on Instagram. He does a lot of archery stuff. And he's out in California. He's super, super cool guy. He has some really neat archery, you know, bow and arrow shoots. And he, and he told me the other day, he's like, God, man, I wish we lived closer because it'd be sure would be great to get together and, you know, do a woods walk or something. So, you know, I try to, I try to put feelers out and figure where people are. We'd like to do a lot of road trips. So hopefully we can, you know, meet up with some people at different, different, different points. Yeah. 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 I think that's, I mean, that's the great thing about the internet is there's so many like-minded people that you can connect with. um, Absolutely. Until you realize the geographic (laughs) barriers. Yeah. Yeah. I joke that sometimes I could be out, you know, I could almost be out every weekend, you know, driving around and going to a different shoot. And I probably wouldn't care a whole lot until I was in my forties or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess to kind of jump into some of the questions, I mean, you're talking about these camps and things, how did you get started in, in muzzleloading and camping and bushcraft? I mean, you do so many different things. I mean, I, I guess really to get started, who are you and, and what are you interested in? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So Paul, I always been an outdoors guy. You know, I grew up, um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a city kid. You know, I didn't, I didn't grow up, uh, out in the woods, like, you know, doing all the Daniel Boone stuff. Um, but I had a dad that was really into the outdoors and really into, I, I guess what you would call like, like survivally kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I was lucky enough that, um, I grew up kind of in like, what I would call like one of the heydays of, of black powder and muzzle loading, you know? So I was, uh, a kid in the, uh, in the early eighties. And, um, I, I still have these very, very vivid memories of, uh, 
going camping with my dad and his buddies and everybody had muzzle loaders. <laughs> and um, it was just a thing, you know, and I, and I even asked him, you know, later on, I was like, am I, am I misremembering this? Or did I really remember that like everybody had, you know, muzzle loaders when I was a kid? And he's like, oh no, we, you know, we did. That was, you know, that was a big thing. So I probably, so I was born in 76 and That's I probably year. went on, went on, yeah, right. I was up for <laughs> notable. Um, and uh, I probably went on my first camp with my dad when I was probably about three. Oh, wow. And, and I, and there's a, there's a picture on the wall at my parents' house of me shooting, um, a, uh, Philadelphia Derringer, you know, the 44, yep. you know, Jucar, Ju CVA, whatever you want to call it, Derringer. And I think I was three years old and that was the first black powder gun I ever shot. And of course, in that picture, I have a backpack my mom made for me with patches on it with a sword tied to the side of it and a coonskin cap on. So if that's not foreshadowing. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> is. Um, but, uh, but now I remember so much from these camps and, you know, my dad would have these friends he would hang out with and they would, you know, make fires and, you know, make spears and shoot black powder guns and cast ball. And so, um, yeah, so that was a thing that I was, you know, I was a part of when I was younger. Um, my dad never did any of the, you know, buckskinning or rendezvous or that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, he had these friends that he would go on these camps with. And, and I think, and, you know, I don't know whether it was like my mom trying to get us out of the house or whatever it was, but he always would let me come with him. And I remember in a lot of those, I was like the only kid that was there. So I kind of see that as unique that he would bring me with me on, bring, um, me with him on these adventures. Yeah. And, uh, when I was, um, you know, asked him later, I said, well, gosh, you know, what, what, you know, what happened? Why did everybody have black powder guns then? And then growing up, you know, people didn't. And he said, well, you got to remember the time. I mean, this was like, you know, late seventies, early eighties, everybody was into Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. You know, that was super popular movie. And I mean, and still you go to a lot of mountain man events and a lot of guys that are his age, that's what, that's what kind of got them into the hobby was Definitely, that, you know, yeah. that experience. I mean, and still even us, you know, quote younger guys. I mean, we quote that movie all the time. Yeah. I always, I always joke with my wife that, you know, Three of three of my sons were a hair's breadth away from being named Jeremiah. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah. And so and I asked myself, well, well, why did people get out of it? And he said, well, they just, you know, the cleaning or the maintenance or whatever. And, you know, some people that are just into hunting are just into hunting. Um, but, you know, as, as I grew up, I got I got more into modern stuff. We always shot a shot a bunch of, uh, you know, military surplus guns, you know, World War Two stuff, mm -hmm. uh, World War One stuff. Um, my dad's big passion was, um, guns from the civil war time. And so he was always, uh, so we always shot a lot of that, you know, shot a lot of that stuff too. And then, um, you know, like any other, any other kid, when I got into like middle school, high school, I was more into, you know, semi-autos and, you know, whatever was, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then, um, when I got into college, I got real nostalgic for, uh, you know, growing up shooting with my dad and grandpa and everything. And I found, um, uh, Backwoodsman magazine. Oh yeah. And, and started, you know, this is probably like, geez, like 94, 95, 96, somewhere in there. And I started reading Backwoodsman and I was like, man, you know, this is really cool. I grew up shooting these things. I should, I should try to get back into this. You know, this is a neat, you know, like a, like a, a neat hobby. And I had a, I had a roommate in college who he, uh, he grew up shooting black powder. So he and I started shooting again and kind of like rediscovering it. And I got a, um, I never, I never shot flintlocks growing up. I only shot percussion. And, uh, I read an article in backwoodsman about like the perfect survival gun. And it was, and it was, the guy was making the case that this, that a flintlock musket was the perfect survival gun. Yep. It, 
you know, you can make the powder and it shoots with rocks, you know, the flint and you can, you know, cast ball and, you know, shoot rocks, you know, or nails out of it or whatever it was. And I just thought that was the coolest damn thing. So I had, <laughs> so I, so I, so I had to get a flintlock at that point. And I remember I was at a, I was at a gun show and I found a, uh, 50 caliber, uh, Thompson center Hawken. Mm-hmm. It was a flintlock. And I just jumped in like both feet, you know, got all into it, really got into shooting that. And, you know, just kind of, just kind of, kind of grew from there. And, um, you know, started hunting more with black powder guns, shooting black powder guns more. Um, and then, uh, when I was, uh, there was a place I was living in Austin at the time and there was, and there was like, you know, everybody's got in their town, like the one place that sells black powder. And, um, I found a, uh, you know, so I would, you know, buy my black powder there, or, you know, ball or whatever, or of course grew up casting balls. So, you know, would, would do that with my dad, you know, whenever we had a chance. And, um, I found, uh, I found the book of buckskinning at a, uh, at a used bookstore. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Hu- you know, humans do this hobby. Like, yeah. how is this, how is this a thing I've never heard of? There are more of people um, like me. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and gosh, and ironically, uh, probably geez, five years after that, I was going through my dad's library, you know, cause we're always borrowing books from each other and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he had a copy of the book of buckskinning. And I was like, dad, how long have you had these? He's like, Oh, I've had this since you were a kid. And I never knew, like I never <laughs> saw it or whatever. So it was one of those things. It was just like perfect timing. And, um, yeah. And so I, um, was shooting at that or was, was getting my supplies at that, that gun store. And somebody had put a little ad on the wall and said, Hey, are you interested in, in, you know, buckskinning and mountain man stuff? And I was like, holy cow, that's that thing in the book that I read about. So I, so I, I gave that a call. I gave the guy a call and, and talked to him about it. And that's how I got into uh, rendezvousing. So I was like 2000, called this guy up and ended up, you know, starting to get it, starting to uh, go out to uh, rendezvous and mountain man events and that kind of stuff. And man, I was hooked once I, uh, cause it was kind of everything at once, you know, it was yeah. all the, all the wood stuff, you know, camping, which I've always been into. I was a backpacking guide in college and, you know, camp my whole life and everything. And, so that was something that just kind of tied it all together. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's, that's really kind of how I got into muzzle loaders and, and black powder and that kind of thing. That's fantastic. I, I love, yeah, I love asking everybody that I meet, you know, in muzzle loading, especially like how, how'd you get into it? Because, yeah, uh, for me, you know, it's a, it's a real family affair going back a couple of generations. So it's, it's real normal for me, but, um, everybody's got a different story and I, and I love hearing that every time there's always something new. Yeah, I had a real, I had a real like, uh, I call it like a milestone moment in my life because my dad never shot, never shot flintlocks. He only shot, you know, percussion guns mm-hmm. specifically. And I remember I was on a, I was at an AMM camp at the, um, I wanted to host an event at the, uh, uh, I guess the land I grew up hunting on because the guy was going to sell it. And I was like, okay, I got to do something, you know, I got to do a, an event here. So I have this great memory of this place, you know, before he sells it. So I ended up hosting a, um, AMM uh, been down there with my uh, uh, my AMM group, and my dad came out because it was you know the land we hunted on everything. And I remember hearing him talk to uh, you know this guy, and he's looking at his rifles because you know my dad's you know we've always been real into black powder guns and stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, I don't shoot you know I don't shoot flintlocks, I only shoot percussion. Kind of like hurt my feelings a little bit because I was <laughs> like, oh man. Um, but just a few years ago, um, my, my mom's an antique dealer, so they always come across some neat stuff. And I was making a trade with my dad for something and trying to figure out something that I could, I could trade him for. And I, um, had a Harper, Harper's Ferry, uh, 1803 rifle. And, uh, and I was like, Hey, I'll trade you the, you know, for the Harper's Ferry. Cause then you know, he had a, had an eye, had his eye on it. 
and uh, that was his first flintlock. So hmm. probably, you know, shooting percussion his whole life, and now he and now he's all into flintlock. So that was like a, like a, I feel like I feel like I saved him, you know, like, like <laughs> towards the in the twilight years. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no. So he, that was that was really cool. But yeah, um, yeah, it's been you know been something I've kind of always been into. Yeah, and you've taken it. I mean, where we connected for anybody listening is, is really on Instagram. I mean, you run the Orion foundation Instagram page, which is just incredible. It seems like you're always doing something and you're, you're into so much. I mean, it's not just muzzleloaders. It's not just, you know, backpacking, bushcrafting, you know, kind of survival stuff. You've just made this, what I see is kind of a whole new genre that just makes it all look so much fun and so cool. (laughs) Where did that come from? Yeah. Well, let me, let me tell you kind of how I, kind of how I started that and, um, kind of the weird, the weird journey it's gone on. So, um, so I've always been a gear nerd, you know, like, yeah. you know, like love gear, love, you know, military surplus gear, love, you know, uh, and like I said, I was a backpacking guide in college and really nerded out on lightweight backpacking and, and, and just now getting back into that with my kids and everything. And, um, so what I would, what I would do uh, so we do a lot of road trips, my wife and I, and did this before the kids. And then, and then, you know, after the kids too, and everything, or, you know, that, you know, they come with us. And, um, I'm, I'm, I've always been a really into gear and love to see what other people are doing with gear. And I remember, um, I was on, I was, we were at the, uh, Rocky mountain, Rocky mountain national park, probably, I don't know, 2005, 2006, something like that. And, um, there's a guy coming the other way down the trail and he's got this cool backpack that I'd never seen before. And, uh, my wife's like, Oh man, he's going to, he's going to talk to him about the backpack or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And sure enough, you know, start talking to this guy and where his packs from, he got it in Wyoming and it's like this one-off thing. And, 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 and what I've realized is like gear enthusiasts love other gear enthusiasts. So, so I have this thing where I'll, I'll, I'll be somewhere and I'll tell my wife, like, oh, I'm going to talk to that guy about his, you know, his backpack or whatever. And, She's like, oh man, and then and then we walk away. We're like best friends, you yeah, because it's like, oh man, he bonded on it or whatever. And um, I also uh, I drive uh, a Land Cruiser. I'm a big Land Cruiser. Okay, enthusiast. I have a have an FJ60, my older Land Cruiser, um, and then I have a, 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 a hundred series as well too, which is my newer car in quotes from the year 2000. Right, that's about as that's about as new as I can get. Um, but but in these circles, there's all these different like gear enthusiasts and Mm -hmm. so what i what i would do is if i saw somebody that had a cool bag i would take a picture of it and i'd be like oh man i really like your bag or i really like your you know i really like your setup or i really like your rig or or tell me about your trailer and take pictures of it and so um my wife just thought that was the most embarrassing thing and so what i started (laughs) doing was i was like you know what i want to catalog these somewhere i'm going to start putting this on instagram and these pictures i take of you know people in their gear and their setups well then you find other people that are also you know, into, into the gear or into the setups or rigs or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and I've gone to these different places like, you know, gun shows out of state, uh, overland, you know, an overland show in Fredericksburg. And I run into people and they're like, Oh, I know you, you're, you're the guy from, you know, I, I, I recognize your whatever. And I'm like, Oh, I know you, I, I recognize your Land Cruiser, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's cool. And I like make for, you know, make friends with these people. And like you said, they're fellow enthusiasts. And, um, so I was doing that for a while and if you go and I, I've never deleted anything from Instagram. So you can go back like to the beginning and it's just like, you know, backpacks and cool rigs. And I, and I, st- and I still do that whenever I see somebody set up that I like or whatever. Um, but then I started thinking about, it. I was like, man, I really, you know, 
I'm super passionate about black powder stuff. I'm super passionate about muzzle loaders. It's probably, you know, it's hard for me to ever like pick and say what's the main thing I'm into, but it's yeah. probably the main, the main thing I'm into, you know, cause it's, cause I feel like, you know, I, I I'm, I'm a definitely a weapons enthusiast, but there's something about muzzle loaders that I've always just been just, I don't know, maybe it's my childhood or, you know, nostalgia with, you know, hanging out with my parent, my dad, and my grandpa and everything. Um, and so I, I was thinking like, how can I, how can I integrate this and make this part of the scene? Well, I, you know, I have, I have a lot of friends who are, you know, AMM guys or buckskinners. And I, and I really was kind of like, well, you know, I can't really make this an AMM thing because it's not, it's not period correct. And, you know, it's, you know, you get, you get the person who's like, oh, you know, it's the wrong blanket or that's the wrong whatever. And, you know, and I, I get it, you know, and I appreciate, and I appreciate people who, you know, who know their stuff and do it that way. Yeah. And I started, and I started thinking about it. And I was like, God, what if I just combine all this stuff together? You know, how weird would that be if it's modern gear, but muzzle loaders, or it's, you know, Vietnam era webbing with like a, with like a, um, a tomahawk, yeah. you know, or it's, or it's, uh, and really what it is, it's just kind of me combining like all the stuff I like into one thing. And, and it's been so crazy because I've, I've found so many, I've met so many great people through Instagram who are like, Hey man, you know, I saw your page and, and I, and I think it's neat. And, you know, I really want to get into muzzle loading, but I don't know where to start. And I'm like, Oh man, you know, check this out or do this. And man, I've probably sent like, like lead balls, like all over the country, you know, getting people, <laughs> you know, and they're like, well, how can I pay you back? And I'm like, Oh, just, 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 just take it, you know, t- pass it on to the next guy or yeah. whatever. Because the more, you know, it's, it's always like, I feel like if you have a hobby, that's a weird hobby, you really, you really don't help anything by keeping it to yourself, you know? And mm-hmm. the more enthusiasts you make, the more people that are out there. I mean, I've just met so many cool people that are, you know, they're into stuff. Like, you know, I, I love, um, uh, I guess you call it like post-World War II webbing, mm-hmm. which is kind of a yeah. weird, a weird niche thing. And, um, kind of, kind of before nylon and everybody kind of, you know, sort of standardizing a little bit Yeah. and there's, and there's, and there's people out there that's their, that's their jam and that's what they're into. And so I'll, you know, my wife calls it nerding out. So I'll nerd out with those guys about like, you know, different things. And, you know, it's just, it kind of became a, a way for me to like show all these, uh, different things and tie, kind of, kind of tie it all together in a way that I wasn't really seeing anybody, uh, do that before. But trying to be really positive and really trying to like encourage other people to like, you know, get out and do it as well, too. Yeah. So that's kind of been my jam. And, and it seems like, you know, it's been a lot of fun doing it for sure. <laughs> well, that's that's fantastic. I love kind of getting the story behind it. Yeah. Because it it not in a bad way, but it does seem like a mishmash of of a bunch of different really cool things that I've never seen yeah. put together before. But it totally works. Yeah. and I, And I think, you know part of my angle on it was there, there's an exclusivity with certain hobbies where, you know, like I remember like, so like I said, I used to do a lot of backpacking when I was younger and, and you, you'd meet people who were just climbers, you know, like they just did rock climbing. I used to do a lot of rock climbing too, but it was like, they just wanted to do rock climbing. And mm-hmm. if you just did rock climbing, you were cool. But if you did rock climbing and backpacking and eh, you were kind of, uh, it's spread too thin, you know? And I, and I've always, and I've always been a dude who's like been into a lot of stuff, you yeah. know, like I, I can't like, I'll meet people who, you know, like, Oh, you know, I'm about to retire and, 
you know, I don't have any hobbies. So I don't know what to do. And I'm like, dude, let me lend you one of my hobbies. And you can write me a report every week so I can experience that through you. Like I found, um, like I was at some, you know, my wife and I love little festivals and stuff, you know, like you know, where you kind of have a little town has their, you know, strawberry festival or whatever it is. And I figured out there's people who do, um, chuck wagon cooking as okay. their hobby. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is great. So I, so I, I, I joined the, uh, American Chuck Wagon Association. And I'm like, this is my retirement hobby. So I'm learning about it now. So when I'm retired, I can, I can get into that too. You're going <laughs> to ride around in your Chuck Wagon and feed people That's, and eat. Yeah. That sounds like a exactly. good deal, man. Right? Exactly. Food, history, the old West. Like what more could you want? Wow. Man, you've got it figured out. I need to start like, <laughs> I need you to send me a report of how I can live a life like yours. Cause this sounds great. <laughs> oh geez. Oh yeah. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Hey folks, Ethan here, and I just wanted to take a quick side note and talk about something I just got in the mail this week, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I picked up a CVA Acura LR over the winter from muzzleloaders.com, and now that the weather's finally nice enough here in northern Indiana, I can take this out and start shooting, and to do that, I've picked up a pack of Thor bullets. Thor bullets are a premium full-bore muzzleloader bullet, and before you can order a pack like this one that you can hear here, you need to go through and get a sizing pack it's really easy it's really convenient and in the end of it i think the real deal out of the sizing packs is you get a super nice pre-measured charge tube that you can use later down the line on your hunts or going out you know to shoot at the range so you can pre-measure whatever powder that you're using my cva acura lrv2 actually measured out to be at the bore diameter of 50, 50 caliber. So I picked up the 50 caliber diameter bullets here. These are 247 grains. There's a nice little pamphlet inside here that gives you the muzzle velocities at different powder charges, primarily here for Pyrodex, which is, is widely available, so that, that's really nice. But it gives you a ton of ballistics information for 50 yards all the way out to 300 yards with the corresponding FPS, energy, path, drop, drift, time, and uh, adjustment for a scope. So this is really interesting. I'm really excited to get these out to the line and uh, and start kind of tinkering with them. So if you're interested with Thor Bullets, they're not a sponsor of the show. Uh, they're just a company that I've enjoyed working with in the past. And it's been exciting to kind of get into the inline game and um, be able to reach out and ask any questions that I have to Jeff Clemens there uh, at Thor Bullets. So I'd like to thank, you know, Jeff Clemens for being such a supporter of muzzleloading. Back to the show. But, uh, but yeah, but we, um, like, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we're, uh, you know, my wife and I, like our, our main hobby together is probably homesteading, you know, so we got 30 acres that we live on and we do, you know, chickens and goats and gardening. And, and, uh, we, we mainly, um, as, as we put it, if we had to live off what we grew, we'd probably die, but we, um, we feed a lot of deer and we feed a lot of, um, grasshoppers, it seems like, and the chickens do their part to, to decimate things. But, um, <laughs> But we live, uh, you know, we live out on this place and the reason, you know, part of the reason why we got it is, um, uh, you know, my wife really got into, uh, buckskinning and, you know, uh, rendezvousing that, that hobby as well too. And so we're like, gosh, we had our own place where we could do that. How cool would that be? And so that's where a lot of the, a lot of the stuff takes place is out here. You know, we do a lot of, like I said, we do a lot of road trips. So, you know, some stuff goes on the road, but, um, but yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the camps and hikes and, you know, that kind of thing is just basically walking out into our woods. So, so we get, you know, so it is, it is, it is easy to, to, to get a lot done when you're, you know, when you're that close to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
What's it like, uh, this isn't really on the question list, but what, what's it like, you know, being so active and having so many hobbies and then raising what seems like a ton of kids to go along with it? Well, I mean, I think, I think part of it is like, um, you know, my wife and I are both really active. Like we don't, um, we don't, we don't do a lot of sitting around, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and so we, uh, you know, a lot of hiking, a lot of working outside, um, we're both really into, um, I guess like, it's kind of funny to say, so I, so in real life I have a very technical job. And so my, my escape from that is that we do a lot of like, just kind of hard work, I guess, on the weekends, you know, yeah, working yeah. in the gardens and all that kind of thing. And we were laughing about, you know, a camping trip we were on recently, like, my gosh, nothing we do is easy. Cause even <laughs> if we do like a camping trip, you're hauling like, I, you know, I used to make fun of all the people who would, you know, bring the trailer to rendezvous because, man, look at all the stuff those guys are bringing. And, you know, we can, we can, you know, we can pack it in in a couple of pack baskets. But I tell you what, man, four kids later, we're, we're doing the trailer, you know, and it's <laughs> yep. a trailer full of stuff. I mean, it's just crazy how that, you know, everything I've ever made fun of has like come back on me for sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just trying to, you know, trying to be active and, and trying to, gosh, I mean, part of it is just trying to fight the, the screen life, right? I mean, that's such a pull for kids now to yeah. just sit down and stare at a screen. And, you know, I, I encourage my, like, you know, my, you know, my sons, just like any other kids love, you know, love playing video games and doing that kind of stuff. But I force them to build stuff in real life because I don't want them to have their whole like experience with, you know, construction is just like Minecraft and mm -hmm. like, you know, pressing a button and making stuff happen. So, you know, there's forts all through our woods that, you know, they built on and, anything. And, and I've tried to really make it where anything that they want to do that I'm like hundred percent behind it, you know, like if yeah. they want to like dig and, you know, like, Hey, we're going to find buried treasure. I'm like, all right, I'm all in. Where are we digging? You know, and, <laughs> and just doing whatever, you know, to just make that exciting and, and to really kind of have that, um, have them have that like outdoors adventure mentality and, yeah. and want to, and want to do those kind of things. Um, you know, in fact, we, uh, you know, I have some, I have a friend of mine who was talking to me one day and he was like, yeah, you know, I really want to get my kids, uh, get my son involved in scouts, but you know, I don't feel like they do enough, you know, camping now. And I really wish that there was a group that was, you know, more of like, and his, his words were how to kill a bear with a Bowie knife. <laughs> and I was like, huh, that's pretty cool, man. And so I started thinking about it. And in like, in like a week, I wrote up a 40 page curriculum for a kind of scout like organization that's all based on the mountain men and the mountain men history. Oh man. And we, and we call it, um, we call it the green river boys. And it's, uh, so far it's, um, we, we also homeschool our kids. Again, we don't do anything easy. No, that's um, great. And so, uh, so it's basically my sons and all their buddies. And then I swear every, every time we have an event, there's, there's, two more kids that, that show up because <laughs> everybody like, well, we got to bring so-and-so because so-and-so would love this. And, and what we do is we, um, you know, it's again, like there's something for everybody, right. And I'm not like trying to take away from the scouts or trail life or anything anybody else wants to do. But what I really wanted to do was, was have it be a, you know, Christian centered, Christian centered group. Right. So we pray in and pray out. Yeah. Um, but have it focused on, kind of the, the story of the mountain men. And so every, so every gathering, we call it, we do a, a Bible story and then we do a mountain man story. So we talk about, you know, Hugh Glass and, you know, his, his uh, fortitude in fighting, you know, with the, the grizzly bear. We talk about, 
um, you know, what, uh, 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 what I'm trying to think of another guy off the top of my head, my mind's, my mind's gone blank, but I have all the different, uh, journals from the different, you know, the different mountain men, um, Osborne Russell, his story, you know, all, all the different guys. And so I'll extract something from that and I'll put it into a, like a kid version of it to teach them, you know, something about, you know, uh, being strong or being brave or whatever it is. And then we'll have a skill that we focus on. And, and so what I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to have it be something that was, uh, narrow, but deep instead of shallow, but wide. Cause yeah. I kind of feel like, you know, a lot of organizations, you, you know, you talk on your ham radio, talk on grandpa's ham radio and you go, okay, now you got the, the radio merit badge or whatever. And so what, what, with, with what our goal is, we want to have these, these kids understand these skills to the point that they can teach it to someone else. And so we focus on, um, we have 12 skills. We focus on, uh, fire starting, shelter building, first aid, riflery, tomahawk, knife, archery, and atlatl, um, uh, trapping, hunting, wood stalking, uh, creating caches and, um, uh, wilderness survival. And the idea is that each, each one of these events, we, they get together with their friends and we, and we could probably make it go for about an hour. And then by then they kind of, you know, lost interest or they're up in a tree or whatever it is, <laughs> but, um, but it's been pretty successful. And so the pictures you see, uh, on Instagram where there's the group of kids, that's, that's that, that's what we're, that's what we're doing. So we've done, um, five of those events and they've gone great and the kids love it and they're super enthusiastic about it. And, and this weekend will be our second camp out. So we wow. did one on our place in the fall. And then we're going to do one this weekend on the river. So it's been, it's been pretty cool. Um, now my selfish motivation is my kids are going to be more engaged if their friends are there too. So I figure, Hey, why not? If that's, you know, if that's what helps get them interested, then, you know, Hey, it's worth it. And, um, you know, I, I do a thing with, with my camping where I do, uh, like I, I camp, I, I camp in every season. So one of the, um, uh, requirements to get in the AMM is you have to camp in every season of the year. And ever since I've been in the AMM, I've kept doing that every year, you know, no matter what kids craziness, always make sure I'm doing at least one, you know, one pack in a season. Mm -hmm. And so what I've, what I've done now is try to do the same thing with that group to let them experience that as well too. So they can see, Hey, what works in the winter, maybe it doesn't work in the fall, or I got to, you know, be more thoughtful about how I make my bedroll, that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, it's been great. And it's, and it's really got them interested in it. And, and, and again, for me, it's like any excuse I can, I can have to get outside and, you know, play around with gear and, you know, it's, you know, sit across a campfire with some, some people it's, it's worthwhile. Man, that is just so stinking heartwarming. I mean, just everything about that dude is just, I mean, it just sounds like, you know, not to get preachy, but that just kind of seems like the kind of thing that people need right now. You know, that that was, that was, that was part of it, man. And I think, and you know, people are really people that we, in our area have really, have really responded to it. You know, my, um, my goal with that is to get it, get it ready, get it working, you know, you know, and I, and I put together like, like a syllabus for each gathering and that kind of thing. And then just put it out, put it on the, put it out for free and let anybody who use it can use it. You know, um, uh, I have a website, it's not set up yet at greenriverboys.org. And, um, I'm going to put everything out there and then just basically encourage, you know, any, any other dads who want to do the same thing to take the, take all the stuff and make it their own, you know, so can help guide them and help them do the same thing where they are. Man, that's great. I, 
I, yeah. I want you to let me know when that goes live because I'm going to definitely bookmark that for awesome. my own use down the road, but also, you know, just kind of try to share that around so other yeah. other oh, people absolutely. out there can hear about this because this is fantastic. Well, and, and again, man, just trying to encourage, you know, yeah. trying to encourage people that are, you know, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of badness out there now and there's a lot of, you know, negativity and this is something that, you know, it's been good. It's been good how we've done it. And, and I'm, and I'm hoping, you know, and every, and we refine it every time, right. Every yeah. time we go out and do a gathering and, you know, add some more notes or try something else out. And, you know, and then I got my, I got a pretty serious audience who lets me know whether it's good or not. You know, they always <laughs> do, okay, what'd you guys like, or what was good or what was bad? And, you know, and it's been really cool. And now we're at the point where at the start of every gathering, like, okay, who wants to start a fire? And, you know, they're all oh, me, me, me. And everybody goes and gets their cedared up and makes a bird nest and gets their flint and steel and strikes it and gets it going. And, and what's been, what's been really neat too, is we're, we're pretty active with, um, you know, the rendezvous out where we are. Yeah. And I, what I've explained to these kids is like, look, if you guys get buttoned down with your skills, you can go to rendezvous and win a prize. You can, yeah. you can win. And, and they've come back with, you know, bows and arrows and, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. And it's, and it's something that's, that is, it's, it's a very good way to kind of validate that with them and show them that, Hey, you can, you know, you can take, you can take these things, put them on the trade blanket at rendezvous and make some money, or you can, you know, you can, uh, trade up to something else and, or you can, you know, you know, do great in the kids competition and, and, and they've really kind of taken off with that. So it's been really kind of cool to see that happen. I just love how, I mean, as a young, I'm, a, I'm 27 and having just grown up in muzzleloading. I mean, that's the number one thing I hear about is how young people aren't interested or how, they're, you know, yep. everybody's getting old, the sport's dying. It's not going to be around very long, but yeah. you've just taken it upon yourself and you're saying, you know, look, this is not, this is not the case and I'm going to prove it, <laughs> you know, Yeah. and you've set this oh, up well. and, and you're actively, you know, passing this along to future generations. I mean, I can't, I can't commend you enough for that, man. That's just so cool. Well, dude, well, well, part of it, man, was that, that podcast you did with the GoX people, you know? Yeah. And I was, and I was listening to you, you know, I was listening to you guys talk and I was listening to the GoX people talk or was, or I guess it was, was it Deer Creek products? Yeah. It was Deer Creek and GoX. Yeah. Yeah. And which, which was great too. Cause man, I had it, I have an old, uh, ASM Dragoon pistol that I couldn't find the parts for. <laughs> So after I heard heard that that podcast, I got you know I, I called him up and was able to to get my uh, model to read your green working again. So oh, that's so great. Mul- so I got multiple things out of that podcast. <laughs> no, man, but that's but that but that's one of the things that like it really hit me was listening to you know everybody talk and and I remember like when I was a kid how cool of a thing that was you know and like what a neat thing it was to be a part of that and and I was like man I got to get moving on this quick because you know I only have a few years before my kids don't think I'm cool anymore yeah 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 <laughs> you know like I got I got I got to instill this with them and I think and I think that it's been you know it's been great to have them be a part of that and then take that to rendezvous and to see other people that they think are cool and see what they're doing oh yeah you know we can you know we can do this too so no man I was you know, it was, I was really inspired by that conversation that, that you guys had as well too. So that, that inspiration goes both ways, man, for sure. I mean, <laughs> it's you. one of those things where it's like, you know, I really felt charged by that to, I got to figure out, you know, what is my part in this that I can do to keep this, you know, this hobby and this, this tradition going. So yeah, man, I'm just glad to do it. Yeah, That's fantastic. So does that, when you're talking about kind of the rendezvous scene out there, does that kind of lead into like your website buckskinning.org then yeah so yeah let me tell you about uh, about that so when i um so like i said in in uh 
I, I went to my first rendezvous in May of 2000. And I, and actually in, in, in the re- most recent move I've had, I found that old uh, flyer from that event. Oh, really? I put it on the wall. I put it on the wall in my office. Cause I just thought that was such a cool thing. Um, so I, so I got into buckskinning around 2000 and again, it just kind of, it just kind of reawoken or, uh, woke up all of this kind of nostalgia and, you know, all the cool stuff I felt like I did with my dad growing up and everything. And, um, I really was, was kind of, uh, kind of, I would say at the apex of like lightweight camping, lightweight backpacking at that point. And I just kind of turned my back on it all and went and went full guns into, you know, buckskinning and that kind of thing. And, uh, when I, I, I want to say January of that year, I called, I called a guy who the guy who had the flyer on the wall at the gun store and basically said, you know, Hey, I want to do this thing. And he said, well, you know, come out, there's an event in two weeks. And I said, well, I can't come in two weeks. I got to be ready for it. <laughs> and so, and so I like, you know, I found, I found another book called buckskins and black powder, which yeah. is, is out of print, but man, that book is my, I have, I have two copies of it. One of them is my copy and one of them is my loaner copy. I give to people who, I mean, who I try to convert into buckskinning. I'm like, you got to read this. This is, this is the way to do it. So I basically read, you know, read that book and showed up to an event based on that book, you know, and, and was like, you know, and I, and I walked in and, um, walked into the event. I remember I was looking around and, and I, and at the time I didn't know what to expect. So I had some backpacking meals in my car or a sleeping bag in my car. And I, you know, was, and I, and I, I, you know, looked at, you know, looked into some different camps and finally there was this guy looked up and he said, Hey, who are you looking for? And I was like, I don't know. And he goes, well, who do you know? And I was like, I don't know anybody. And he's like, well, brother, come over here. And, and that was my, my buddy Ken. And he was the guy that kind of, kind of brought me into the hobby and everything. And, um, man, I just, I just loved it. I just thought this is the best thing ever, you know, the revelry, the, you know, camaraderie, you know, shooting black powder guns, living like a savage in the woods. I mean, it was everything, you know, everything, I, everything I ever wanted. And, um, so at the time, you know, I've, I've, my, uh, my like real career, I do, uh, digital stuff. So, you know, content websites, mm-hmm. mobile apps, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so at the time, it's probably like, gosh, 2002, 2003, somewhere in there, I think probably 2002, I tried I was explaining to people about this, this weird hobby that I did. And so I ended up putting buckskinning.org together to explain to people what, that hobby was. Yeah. And so that instead of having to explain all the time, I said, well, let's go to my website, buckskinning.org. Just go to my website, buckskinning.org. And that's, and I would use that as a way to like, you know, explain to people what the hobby's about, you know, what you need, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, man, I've met so many people through there, just, you know, people shooting me emails about something or, Hey, I got this thing to sell or, Hey, I'm looking for an event or I'm looking for somebody you know, something, you know, something near me or whatever. And yeah, that, that's, that's what it kind of started as was just a way for me to explain to the people that I worked with at the time, what my, what this weird hobby was yeah. that I had. And, um, yeah, and here, hey, here's what I'm doing on the weekend. This is, you know, this is, this is where it was. And, you know, in a way, um, you know, I try to keep it up to date. Like I put local events on there and stuff and, you know, I'll do blog posts or update articles, but, I definitely need to spend some more time on, on rewriting. I just got, you know, so many irons and so many fires and, and, uh, but, but it's, it's, it's a labor of love for sure. I've met a lot of great people, uh, through that, through that site. It's funny. I got a guy I work with who does a lot of, um, I guess you would call it like outdoor industry stuff. So he does a lot of like content and those kind of things. And he was like, you know, he was one of the guys that was kind of 
one of my early uh early uh what do you call it supporters on instagram and uh he's like oh man i really you know really like your vibe and everything and he said yeah it's so crazy he said all the stuff that he's like the outdoor industry man everybody hates each other and they're mean and you know somebody's got like a cooler that's not that cooler then they're you know saying oh your cooler sucks or whatever and he's like man every 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 comment i see with you guys it's like oh man i love your thing and oh that's great and, <laughs> oh you're doing so good and oh man I, you know and it's like you guys are so damn positive and i was like yeah man that's how you that's how you keep the vibe going yeah. you know is you gotta you know find people that are that are like-minded and and cheer them on you know and keep keep people interested and keep people inspired you know yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the coolest things about it. I took my wife down to a little camp. We just went down for the day because we were busy uh, here in Indiana with um, Eli Froge on Instagram there. He puts yeah. on that little camp uh, in his woods, and it was just so nice. I, I think that was the first event that we'd been to uh, probably pretty much since like last year, you know, with yeah. winter and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, absolutely. I mean, w- within 15 minutes of being there, she was out in the dugout canoe going down the river, you know, <laughs> it was kind of oh, that's great, one man. of her first yeah. events, you know, in a long time. And she was just, yeah. I mean, she was in kind of, you know, we were in modern dress. I was in jeans and she was in a dress and I mean, yeah. they just took her out and, you know, just <laughs> treated oh, yeah. her like a real lady. Oh, and it was yeah. just great. No, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I remember like, so when I was, so when my wife and I, uh, you know, we've known each other since we were, we were in high school, but, but got together kind of after college. Uh-huh. And, um, I remember, uh, I probably, I probably did, I probably did buck skinning for maybe a year, year and a half before she came out. And I always joked that like, when I went by myself, I knew like one guy, you know, it was like the one camp. I knew the one dude, <laughs> she came, she came out one weekend and then suddenly I knew everyone, yeah. you know, everyone who was out there, she was kind of my my social, my social director yeah, for the yeah. event, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it was neat, man. We, we did our first, uh, you know, kind of post lockdown ish, uh, uh, big rendezvous last October. And man, you know, if you had any like people that you were on the fence about, or, you know, maybe you didn't get along or whatever, man, everybody was so excited to see each other. And so like, you know, cheered up and it was just great, man. It was one of the coolest events I've ever gone to just ever. I mean, it felt like a real rendezvous where everybody like, you know, hadn't seen each other for years and yeah. everybody's back again. And man, it was just, this is fantastic. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a different feel, I think coming in, coming out to events now, like I've seen other people yeah. kind of sharing that same sentiment across the country, yeah. getting out and going to camps and things. And just, it's a, a, a real breath of fresh air, I think literally and figuratively. Yeah. Well, dude, absolutely. And I, and I think, and I think a lot of things, it's like, man, how many, how many events did I take for granted and not go to? Exactly. Like, ah, I'm too busy or I got some going on. Man, I'll tell you, we're, we're never missing anything from here on out. <laughs> every I mean, weekend like in the every, car. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, we're, we're hitting all the, we're hitting all the stuff. So, I mean, I'm obviously really familiar with muzzleloading events kind of in the Eastern half of the country. So what's the, we, you've talked about some of the rendezvous and things. Is there yeah. anything else you want to talk about, about the muzzleloading scene in Texas? Sure. Sure. Well, one of the things we suffer from here in Texas, and I, and, I, and I think you know, I have some friends from from back east. One of my one of my uh, camping partners for a long time was was up in the northeast, and um, we suffer from distance, right? Because you know where we are, uh, you know, I remember like so when I when I got married, my bachelor party was a hog hunt, and you know, I got my <laughs> my friends together, and it was three hours away from where I lived, and all the guys who I grew up with in Texas, they were like, you know, okay, great, I'll meet you there. And then my friends who are from like Pennsylvania and stuff, they were like, well, you're driving three hours to go do something. Like, is there not something closer? Like, why would you drive that far? And so that's the thing is like, we're so spread out because the state is so big 
that there's it's it's more like there's regional events versus Texas events, right? So right. like there's different groups that are in different areas. And so, um, you know, we have uh, our, our home rendezvous group, I guess we would call, is the Texas Association of Buckskinners. And that's a group, that's the group I first I first ran into back in 2000. You know, that's my that's kind of my family rendezvous group. Love those people. Um, and so, you know, we'll go out of our way to go to go to those events. And but we usually end up driving. It's, you know, a short distance is probably four hours to get yeah. there. And and, you know, what we've what we've kind of had to kind of come to an understanding is that it's that's that's normal for a weekend event. Um, and so but I, but I know that probably prevents people from going because for a lot of people driving four hours, you know, I mean, my gosh, let's be reasonable. Right. Taking one day to pack because it takes a day because we got six humans we're outfitting with gear. <laughs> Usually we're bringing a few friends. So it's more eight, eight to ten is probably more likely. So it takes us a whole day. I feel like with these kids, you know, the the shirt that 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 they fit last year doesn't fit them now. Right. right. So we're you know constantly like shuffling outfits and stuff. Um, so that takes a day. Then packing, you know, that takes at least I think three hours is our like quickest time ever. Um, and then you know driving four hours. So that's a pretty big, you know, so that's a pretty big time commitment. And a lot of what I found is is you know getting that person to that first rendezvous you have to do all that to get to make it as easy as possible to not you know scare them away or whatever yeah and so and so but we're you know we're we're pretty committed to that we try to hit southwestern whenever we can southwest regional rendezvous yeah. which is you know texas oklahoma louisiana arkansas we were going to go to arkansas this year but but we we always we always have a problem with people watching the place just because you know of all the animals and everything yeah um but we try to hit the southwesterns of course those are the ones the kids like the most because that has the most vendors and there's horses uh-huh. there and all that kind of fun stuff yeah yeah in fact we um we were at southwestern in 2013 and or 2014 i think it was and you know just got our camp set up and some of the AMM guys came, you know, riding through camp. Well, they recognized me and, you know, turned on their heels. Well, the kids ran out and they just reached down and scooped the kids up and put them on those horses and paraded them through camp. <laughs> so, so forever in their mind, that's the best event ever is yeah. Southwestern. So we, so we try to hit those when we can, um, October. So I guess, I guess it was January this year. I found out about the Wooler Rock Traders rendezvous in Oklahoma. Yep. So my dad and I were like, man, we got to hit that up. So we made the trek up there in April and, um, I think, uh, next year we're going to try to go hit, start hitting some of the, um, Rocky mountain rendezvous because, you know, we just want to be able to do that. And then of course, friendship in Indiana, that's on our list. We got to, you know, now that the kids are bigger, we want to head out there and, and, and do that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's the thing is, you know, we're, we are geographically limited because of how far you can drive on a weekend. Um, I mean, I've hosted events where people have driven 12 hours to get there and man, I love, I love their tenacity, but I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when the kids are grown. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That'll be our, uh, yeah, our, our empty nester plan. Um, but, uh, you know, there's some, there's some folks out here that put on some pretty good shoots, but honestly, man, ever since we've been out on this place, we, we shoot, we do most of our shooting out here, you yeah. know, um, because, uh, We'll try to, you know, we'll sh- we'll we'll shoot black powder when we can. Always got, like I said, always have some relatives that'll that want to come out and try it out, um, getting the kids ready for rendezvous so they can, you know, shoot in the kid competition and that kind of thing. So we don't we don't do as much of the local, like I would say, like muzzleloader shoots. 
but we're but we definitely try to hit any rendezvous that's you know that's within like four or five hours we always try to we always try to hit those yeah now one thing we are going to try to do that i'm i'm really excited about and i, and I don't know how this is going to come together but i've heard that there's some of the some of the rocky mountain groups are going to start doing the um 200 anniversary 200th anniversary rendezvous so that's going to be you know to to represent the rendezvous period from 1825 to 1840. Oh, fantastic. We're going to try to do a, a rendezvous every year in the location of the original rendezvous. Oh, cool. And, and I've pre-warned my uh, family that that's, uh, that that's in our future. <laughs> <laughs> You're signed up. Uh, buckle up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, but honestly, man, like of, of all the events, the private camps are my favorite, you yeah. know. Um, I love having, uh, that's why I really like the AMM stuff. You know, I like, I like the intimate group with like, you know, four or five folks and hanging out over a campfire, you know, cooking, having conversations, that kind of thing. And so, um, usually what I try to do is anytime I host, uh, you know, those events, I'll try to bring, you know, as many people as are interested in coming out usually ends up being around four or five. And, and those have always been kind of my favorite, um, if it's AMM related, try to keep it primitive. If it's not a specific AMM event, then I kind of do what what's probably used kind of more of a mashup event where, you know, I'll wear buckskins and, you know, use all my primitive stuff and then have people, you know, come out and bring whatever they can just to get them to kind of check that out and kind of get a feel for it. You yeah. know, just trying to be as, uh, as open as possible so we can, you know, introduce more people into that and into that kind of stuff. That's fantastic. So, I mean, we're coming up on the hour and I don't want to, I don't want to keep you too long, but my last question is what are some of your f favorite muzzleloaders and or historic period? Because oh, yeah. you have such oh. a, a wide interest. I'm just really curious yeah. about this. Oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's probably good. You, you ended with this, right? Cause this could, this could dominate the whole conversation. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like I said, you know, my, I really, I, so I really like the long hunter period totally fascinated by that. I, di I didn't think I was going to be so in, I mean, I read all the Mark Baker stuff, all the pilgrims journey and, you know, really thought, you know, really thought that was amazing and, and, you know, really learned so much from that. Um, but it wasn't until I read the frontiersman, that Alan Eckhart book that I was oh, yeah. like, Oh my gosh, what an amazing history of this area. Cause being a native Texan, of course, you know, we think we're the best state, you know, our, our, our Texas independence is the, you know, the coolest time or whatever, <laughs> yep. but reading about like, I had no idea how like violent and wild the Ohio river Valley was and all the stuff with, you know, Simon Kenton and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, those, 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 those times are pretty amazing. Um, so I, so I have, a, I have a long rifle that I love, you know, that's in fact, last deer season, I ran into a bit of a problem cause I had a, I was down at the uh, deer blind with my son with a 30, 30 and this buck walked up and my son's like, Oh, you gotta shoot it. You gotta shoot it. And I was like, I can't shoot it. I, I have to shoot it with my long rifle. Like I can't, like I gotta, I gotta use the right gun. You know, so, that, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I, I like that gun a lot. Um, but you know, as you can probably tell from my Instagram, the trade guns are my favorite, yeah. you know, Northwest trade gun. Um, I like those because of, you know, kind of the history they had of like the trade with the natives and everything. Um, I love, I love the Brown best, you know, those have always been, uh, just fascinating guns to me. Um, because they're, you know, kind of, kind of, I guess, because they're smooth bore, you know, you could shoot shot, you could shoot a ball. I love bucking balls. A great, you know, great load for those. Yeah. And, um, they just feel so stout, you know, it's just such a good, such an amazing, uh, amazing long arm. And you, and you think like, gosh, the British army used those for, 
I think a little over a hundred years. Yeah. Which is amazing <laughs> to think about, you know, like the same gun. I mean, I know there was variations and the guys who are like, you know, historians are probably throwing up in their mouth right now, but basically the same, <laughs> you know, basically the same gun for a hundred years, which is yeah. an amazing thing to think about. Um, and you know, I love the fur trade. Uh, I have a, um, a, uh, uh, JJ Henry replica. That was one of the more common guns of the fur trade. I use okay. when I do the AMM stuff, you know, I really like that. Um, I don't have a tool, you know, uh, or a, a French, you know, trade musket, yeah, which yeah. is one of the things that is on my list for sure. Cause you know, I ha- actually have a lot of French in my background and it's always upsetting to people when you dress like a Frenchman at a rendezvous. So I love doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, just to get the reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I really like the trade guns and the muskets and that kind of stuff. Um, as far as, you know, history goes, uh, being a Texan, being like a, you know, red blooded Texan, I, I have a couple of, uh, Texas reenactment events I do every year. So of course I love Texas history. Um, I always like to tell the story about when I went to college, you could, you could take a test to place out of Texas history. And I, and the lady was like, okay, well, here's the book. And I was like, I don't need the book. You know, I'm fine. <laughs> so I handed, so I, so I handed her the book back and I got a hundred on the test and placed out of it, you know, but, ne- but now it's like looking back, I probably should have taken that class. Cause that probably would have been really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love Texas history. You know, I love the, just kind of the craziness of that. Love the long hunter period. Um, super fascinated with Rogers Rangers, the French and Indian war yeah. in that time period. My dad and I did a pilgrimage up to uh, Fort Ticonderoga and Rogers Island oh, a few cool. years back to go check that out. Cause we, you know, we'd never been up there before and, and gosh, embarrassingly enough, I was kind of more impressed by the French guys than the British guys. I hate to say <laughs> it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I really like, I really like that time period. And, and eventually, um, I really want to try out, I've never done this, but I really want to try out, uh, like kind of more of even like the English civil war time with like the matchlocks and that kind of thing. I've yeah. always been really fascinated by that. So that's in my future at some point as well. I'm sure. Yeah, I think a lot of the, uh, as technology advances and we're, you know, manufacturing things gets so much easier and easier. I think we're going to see in our lifetime kind of a, a real surge in the matchlock wheel lock stuff because yeah. people have kind of gone back in time. Everybody's kind of comfortable yes. with what we see here in America see as the traditional muzzleloader. And now Absolutely. we're starting to look at those early, early things in, in European muzzleloaders. And I, I think that'll yeah. kind of come into, come into popularity. Oh man, that would be so cool. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just such a history nerd and my wife is a history nerd. So we're just like, you know, totally nerded out on it. But, um, but there's definitely a, uh, uh, there's just so much you can do. You know, yeah. we have, um, I got a guy that I camp with, I'm going to probably see next month who he does like a Southwestern fur trade impression. Okay. So he uses, so he uses a, um, you know, one of the Spanish, uh, I can't think of the word off the top of my head, but it's got the, like the really square lock to really kind of, uh, it's got a very unique look, uh-huh. uh, escapeta. He's got an escapeta that okay. he uses and that's really cool. And, and again, you know, I'm working on in my workshop, I'm working on a, um, I'm building a, uh, a, uh, claymore, like a Scottish claymore sword. Ooh, yeah. That, um, because I, I, you know, I've seen, you've probably seen the picture too. It's the famous painting of the, like the, the native guy talking to the, um, the Scottish guy during the French and Indian war. And he's got his, he's got his, uh, you know, his claymore sword and his dirk and his like, you know, and his brass pistol and all that. So I'm, I was like, man, I got to build that stuff too. I mean, there's just <laughs> so many, so many cool things you can do with it. And, and, and I think like for me, I just love, 
getting out in the woods and trying stuff out and, you know, testing things and, you know, trying different loads, different gear and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where I am. I'm a lifelong learner and I just love, uh, love trying stuff out and seeing where it leads me. Yeah. That's that's great, Paul. This is, it's been fantastic. You're as cool over the phone as you are on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. Hey, I just, I'm just glad to talk to a fellow enthusiast, man. I, I, (laughs) I appreciate the compliments, man. And like I said, dude, the inspiration goes both ways, you know, and I, and I love, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I love, uh, seeing whatever, what everybody's working on and, you know, the gear they have and, and just, you know, helping cheer them on and have them cheer me on. And it's just been, you know, it's been cool. I've met so many great people through Instagram and it's just been such a neat, you know, a neat thing and finding kind of how do we communicate in this new age and, you know, share our information and, and you know, keep people inspired and excited, you know, it's yeah. been great. Hope we can hook up some point in real life, man. If you guys are ever, you ever down this way, you're always welcome to come out and stay with us or come shoot with us. And because I, I guarantee you that, uh, if we can make it up to Indiana, I'll be, I'll be leaning over your campfire as well. Too. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, man. You're always welcome around my camp, dude. Hey, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I'll let you get back to the, to the wife and the kids. Thank you again, Paul. This has just been, this has yeah. been the highlight of my week. Oh man. Thanks so much, Ethan. I really appreciate <laughs> that, man. It's great. Great talk. I've been looking forward to this too, man. So it's just great conversating and, and getting to know you. I appreciate it. like to thank Paul again for taking time out of his day away from his wife and his kids and the farm uh, to talk with me about uh, or really just kind of geek out (laughs) about muzzleloading. It was a really great conversation and, uh, you know, just continual reminder after talking with Paul how great the people of muzzleloading are and uh, just how much fun reaching out and talking to him is. So I hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I did. I I seriously ask that anybody in a position like Paul's in, in starting the Green River Boys, you know, check that out and, uh, you know, see maybe not in the same capacity that Paul is doing it with his family and their friends, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe read through that and see if that's something that you can put some time into and, and try to get some young folks interested in muzzleloading. That's a real concern of, I think, just about everybody that I talk to involved in muzzleloading. And I think the, I think the Green River Boys program is, is definitely something that, um, I'd like to see, you know, really spread around the country. I think, like I said, I think it's really something this country needs and, and really that people need right now. If you'd like to learn more about I Love Muzzleloading, you can visit ilovemuzzleloading.com. We're active on all the major social media platforms here and there, kind of posting some behind the scenes stuff from the podcast and from the videos, from the road trips that we're putting on. So if you could share the show with anybody, you know, that you think might be interested in muzzleloading or needs a new podcast to listen to on the way to work, I'd really appreciate that. You can also rate us on iTunes and, uh, and that helps us reach reach more people too. Once again, I'm Ethan. I love muzzleloading signing off again from another episode of I love muzzleloading. Thanks so much. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. 
Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. 